about recycling, but really at the end of the day, we just need to be consuming less. Yeah, and it's about kind of moving away from the way in which we've built the economy at the moment, which is built on linear principles. So it's buy, consume, and then disregard. Whereas this is taking principles really born in nature. And if you look at nature, nature in itself uses a circular economy. So. Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. Since we are image bearers of God, we won't stand by while our neighbours are trapped in poverty and we won't stay idle as creation is left untended and inequality is left to fester. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story. Hey guys, so welcome to the newest episode of the Renewal World podcast. And today uh, I'm chatting to some guys in Uganda. So a little bit of a change up from the last time we chatted. I think the last podcast came to you from um, COP26 in, in Glasgow back in November. Um, so we're, we're in a different continent again and we're hearing different stories, but a but, uh, little bit similar as well, sort of climate and environment um, stories. But today I'm really, really excited to have two people um, from Ecobricks with us today. Uh, so we've got Sinan. Sinan, welcome to the podcast. And we've also got um, G, and they both work um, yeah, with Ecobricks in Uganda. Um, yeah, guys, um, who are you and, and what do you do? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you, David Rosta. And uh, I am Sinan Stagenda, and I'm a production manager at Ecobricks. And we are known for using innovative technology to convert plastic waste into marketable products for both the construction and healthcare industries. Uh, nice, hi. thanks, Anna. Hi, David. Hey, uh, great to be here. Uh, so I'm G. Elliot, and I originally moved out to Uganda in 2015 before helping set up EcoBricks in 2017 uh, after recognizing the lack of waste management infrastructure in the country and the need for uh, circular models to be adopted, particularly around plastic waste. And so in 2017, we set up Ecobricks, and I am now responsible for our UK operations back in the UK. Uh, but we'll be heading to UNEA with Sanan and Andy uh, next week. Super, super. Great. I'm, well, I'm really excited to have you guys um, for this chat this morning. Particularly, you know, you've chatted a bit, little bit about um, some of the stuff you guys do at Plastic Waste and the UN Environment Assembly. And really, that's what I'd love to chat about um, today. So, but maybe before we do that, Sinan, I wonder, could you even just remind people of what Ecobricks does? You've, you've mentioned a little bit there already um, what you guys do, but some of our listeners may remember a podcast episode with Andy Bounds, who also is involved with um, Ecobricks. So yeah, maybe could you just remind people again um, what Ecobricks does? Uh, thank you. Uh, Ecobricks is a social enterprise which tackles plastic pollution and high unemployment in Uganda. Of course, we, we do that using circular economic model. Uh, by collecting plastic waste from the communities, we bring it to our site 
and we turn that plastic waste into different products that we sell both to the local and international market. Super. Maybe even, um, I wonder, could you even, you, you know, tell me, tell me if you, if you don't answer this, but, you know, could you tell people a little bit about what does a circular e economy mean? What is, what is that sort of idea? Circular economy is basically uh, meaning that, uh, in a sense, we get plastic waste or having to consume plastic waste uh, into uh, making more, uh, making it reusable, making things that could benefit both our, po our pockets and also our earth. Instead of throwing it away, we turn this plastic back into our systems, our everyday systems, instead of throwing it away. So in a sense, it's what we mean by a circular model. Yeah, that, that makes really sense, doesn't it? It's sort of like you're giving these items a second and third life um, after they've finished their first life. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and it's about kind of moving away from the way in which we've built the economy at the moment, which is built on linear principles. So yeah. it's buy, consume, and then disregard, whereas this is taking principles really born in nature. And if you look at nature, nature in itself uses a circular economy. So we base our model after looking to nature for those ideas and principles. Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? That's, yeah, I love that. I love that idea that um, nature is a, nature maybe is the original circular economy, I guess, in one sense, but yeah. and. Yeah, somewhere along the line, humans screwed things up. Exactly. Yeah, our our desire for consumption um, sort of has has moved us away from what might be a more natural sort of rhythm and process. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and I yeah, think it's also worth kind of talking about. We talk about recycling, but really, at the end of the day, we just need to be consuming less. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely a hierarchy and a pyramid that we have to look to. Um, but ultimately, we're all go always going to be using plastic, and it can be a really useful material, particularly in an informal economy like Uganda, where uh, people are often buying food, for example, in very small packaging because um, they might not have the money to buy in uh, larger packaging. So you get a lot of sachets, for example, exactly. or, you know, when you're living and working in a country where you can't just turn a tap on and get clean water, you're going to have a higher production of plastic bottles. So yeah. um, it's even more important to be using these principles in an economy like Uganda as well. Yeah. yeah. And just maybe adding on what uh, actually Gil uh, is saying, uh, basically, uh, when we talk about uh, the circular model, we're talking about also, we're dealing with individuals, uh, changing also what we're tackling, cultures, which seem sometimes abstract to tackle on, or even policies in our communities, uh, basically governing how we should think about waste and uh, what we should be doing with it instead of uh, what you, you just say that it's take, make and dispose, but how can we use that in our everyday life? And that's our focus as EcoBricks. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that, guys. Um, and maybe just shifting direction a little bit towards um, the event you've mentioned, which is the UN Environment Assembly. Um, or UNEA, because everyone, everyone involved with the UN process loves a you know shortened um, acronym. Um, but the the United Nations Environment Assembly, um, yeah, and I wonder, could you tell us a little bit about you know what what is the United Nations Environment Assembly? 
Um, the United Nations Environment Assembly uh, was put together in uh, 2013, uh, 2012, and is the world's highest level decision-making body on the environment. It addresses the critical environmental challenges facing the world today. Of course, understanding these challenges and preserving and rehabilitating our environment is at the heart of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The environment, of course, also the Environment Assembly meets biannually to set up priorities for global environment policies and develop international environmental law. Through its resolutions and calls to action, the Assembly provides leadership and catalyzes intergovernmental action on the government and also on the environment, on the government and also uh, on environment. Decision making requires, of course, uh, broad participation, which is why the Assembly provides an opportunity for all people to help design solutions for our planet's health. Um, globally, one, whole, uh, one million plastic bottles are actually purchased every minute, while five trillion single-use plastic bags are used worldwide every year. In total, around 40% of all plastic produced is, is designed to be used only once before it's actually thrown away. So I think this is uh, the reason why all people, uh, we have to come up and be conscious of our environment not just leaving responsibility to only a single uh, organ or single body within a given uh, leadership, but it's all everyone's responsibility. And then as, um, so EcoBricks, we became a UN accredited organization last year. And then through that accreditation, it means that we can attend UNEA, which is really important for us because there is um, a lot of policy makers at UNEA and we hope to be a group that can represent grassroots organizations and the people involved within the value chain, so the waste pickers um, and the production lines, we can be the voice there at UNEA and represent those people that perhaps up until today or up until more recent times haven't necessarily had their voice to be heard. So that's very much where we see our role next week. Um, yeah, yeah. is to give those people a voice. Yeah, that's really good. Um, is it is it fair to say that almost like the UN Environment Assembly is a little bit like maybe COP in that it's, in that it's like a UN event um, that sort of tries to get sort of like global agreements on certain things? Would that be fair to say maybe? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think it's about getting people together in one room, having negotiations, because part of the challenge is when you're bringing stakeholders together from across different industries and bodies. So there will be at UNEA um, groups from NGOs, from across business, government, and bringing those different interests together around one table um, with the idea of negotiating to bring legally binding treaties in place. And at least yeah. on the Plastic Pollution Treaty, it will be kick-starting that process to ensure that we can get a legally binding treaty in place so that there can be coordinated action on plastic going forward. Yeah, I guess that takes me on nicely into sort of the next couple of questions which I was going to ask you guys, which was, um, I guess, we can maybe roll two questions into one here, you know, in terms of, you know, what's hoped to be achieved at UNEA, but also it sounds like one of those um, sort of headline pieces from this particular um, get-together is maybe like a legally binding treaty on plastics and and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, maybe maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that, you know, sort of, is that like the, the big headline or are there other things as well that you think 
will be discussed at the at the event. Um, yeah, so you might have seen in the press, there's been a lot of media around a global treaty on plastic pollution, and we've been involved in negotiations up until now, which has laid the groundwork um, for a legally binding treaty. So this conference will be crucial in relation to plastic pollution um, <clears throat> because it will be the start of the process. And the hope is that at the end of the conference will come out and there will be an agreement at least that we need a legally binding treaty in place. Um, to reduce pollution both on land and sea. And I think if you look again across the media, there's been a huge focus on uh, plastics in the ocean. Um, and again, I think another part of our role next week will be also drawing attention to the plastic pollution on land, particularly again in informal economies where um, there isn't as much legislation and policy around open dumping and burning of plastic. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to continue to draw attention to that because it is obviously very important plastics in oceans, but it sometimes draws away from what is happening on the land as well, uh, yeah. which Sinan can probably talk. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just mentioned that is uh, if we talk about land or we're talking about the seas, uh, it simply just shows that uh, pollution does not stop at political boundaries, basically, of countries. We need a coordinated joint up uh, response and also interdisciplinary action across governments, businesses, NGOs, and various stakeholders. Uh, that's basically it means because 80% of the plastic that we collect or the plastic that is actually consumed on land ends up in oceans. So this does not affect us. The plastic that we consume in Uganda, the plastic that we consume elsewhere in DRC, any other country on the African continent or on land, it's actually ending in the ocean. So this is a coordinated joint up uh, response that is actually urgently needed for this kind of uh, the urgency it needs. I wonder. Uh, I think it's also about holding states. Oh, I was, no, go I was going to say it's go ahead. about holding member states to account because it's very easy to have voluntary targets in place. But I think we all know until we get legally binding agreements in place, nothing actually happens because the interests of some countries uh, may override <clears throat> um, yeah, the interests of others. So that's why it's so important to get something legally binding yeah, in place. Yeah, that, that makes me wonder a little bit about... Um, the sort of inequality uh, that comes from from plastic, actually, because so so in in the sort of um, if I can use the word Western world or you know and quote unquote developed sort of countries, there's a lot of focus on the marine, right? Because you know, sat rightly or wrongly, you know, certain TV programs you know have caught the imagination of people, and um, they've seen pictures of plastic waste in the ocean, um, and that has sort of exercised um, people's sort of interest. But I remember. Having gone to Haiti, you know, um, and did we did a bit of done a bit of work there on some plastic weight products as well, and you see a lot of um, open burning of waste and how that can be detrimental to to people's health in terms of fumes and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it strikes me as a little bit sad that when you see in the negotiations, it's sort of the developed countries are sort of pushing. Well, we just we just sort of care about the marine, and then but actually the countries. Um, where where they see this problem a little bit more on the land, they're they're also sort of highlighting that no, this it's got to be both guys. It can't just be it can't just be one. Um, 
so yeah, really, really interesting to see. Um, sadly enough, I guess those inequality and power dynamics um, play out. So maybe that's something we can ask people to pray for as well for next week, that people um, really listen to the countries that need to be listened to um, and listen to the voices that need to be um, listened to. Um, yeah, maybe and just take us to to sort of a follow-on question then I have for, for you guys is specifically then for what EcoBricks are calling for at UNEA. And I don't know if you guys maybe have some policy asks that you're calling for. Um, be good to good to share those as well. And maybe go into a little bit more in depth about, you've mentioned about your role is also about bringing the, the sort of voices of the, the informal waste sector to the, to the table as well. And yeah, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that as well. Firstly, there needs to be greater financing in place um, from the developed countries to the developing countries, particularly in informal economies. There is so much R&D that you need around this area, around plastics and the circular economy. And what we found firsthand um, is that part of the barrier to growth and innovation is finance, ultimately. And given that the majority of the plastic has been from the developed countries. It's time for payback and to rebalance some of that inequality. So I think that is going to be one of the big policy asks for the developed countries to be financing some of these programs. Um, and I think particularly for the voices of waste pickers and those that are traditionally seen further down the supply chain to be given a voice um, and I think this is definitely something Sinan can talk about in terms of having Ugandan voices there at the conference and having direct influence yeah. on policy. Exactly. Um, and just what I mentioned is very, very keen uh, to this kind of matter, that uh, the kind of representation that is actually needed in this kind of uh, 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 decisions is uh, it requires especially the young people that are concerned to this kind of issue. I mean, it is very evident that yes, as much as uh, one of the things that we are requiring the manufacturers is uh, uh, basically to redesign products and packaging and also require consumers to reduce use of single-use plastics. But it is, uh, I mean, all this, this kind of uh, asks also require young people to actively engage in the kind of implementation of this kind of uh, asks as well, uh, what you're asking for. Because otherwise, and if, even when you're making these kind of decisions, uh, it's, it, it does not actually make sense um, when the people who are actually discussing this are people that could be our grandfathers or, or even some of these are way older and yet uh, this, the, the next generation is actually about us and for us. So that is why we think it is very important that a global treaty is one of the only ways to tackle this global issue. And of course, uh, we just mentioned that uh, uh, having all uh, the, the member states of the UN as well agree on actually what they're trying to achieve and what progress they've actually done or they're doing and by when it is very keen to what we are asking. And at the moment, that's not the case of plastic pollution at international level. The existing control regime is fragmented and clear and lacking an urgency. That's why uh, the member states need to, to be accountable through a legally binding treaty with targets and clear reporting and measuring uh, targets as well. 
And I think in terms of what we're doing around uh, the circular economy, we need member states to be adopting circular economic principles and we need legislation around single-use plastic as well. So we need bans on single-use plastic in certain circumstances. Yes. And just maybe to mention, serious bans, not just talking about that. That's why the treaty becomes very essential in this kind of area. Having something that you unanimously agree on that if this is implemented, none of us is going to turn back or none of us is actually going to do otherwise. Uh, some people... And what we've actually evidenced in Uganda, I think for the last, since 2019, we've tried to implement this kind of a treaty where we're banning plastic, but it's not actually being implemented. Uh, what actually is doing is mimicking what would have been the banning, but actually every other time, every other time because of the powers or the influence of a given uh, uh, manufacturers uh, in a given sector, then it ends up being nullified or here and they're not even being implemented. That's why we need the top to bottom uh, approach of uh, having the leaders of this country, but also having the citizens understand what's their role in terms of demanding what's theirs. And I yeah, think that's, that's look, right. in terms of, I know we talk about plastics very much in its own sector per se, but it's so integrated into reducing emissions and by recycling and using circular principles, you are also saving carbon as well. So in terms of getting to net zero by 2050, having a treaty on plastic is so central to that because emissions are released at every life cycle of the plastic cycle. So if you're not ripping virgin materials out of the ground to make plastic, uh, we'll be able to get to net zero. And we were having a discussion yesterday around extending the life of these products yeah. and the impact that has in relation to carbon as well. So I think we also really need a holistic, coordinated approach to all of this uh, per se. And that's why the UNEA um, is so central in this. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, maybe just to, to round up our chat today, what what would a successful conference look like? Do you think is it, is it achieving all of those things that you've mentioned, or yeah, if if you were to kind of go a week or two after the conference has ended, you were to look back and say, I think that was a really successful event. What what do you think might have come out of that? Um, I think for us, it will be having waste pickers have a voice and being recognized in these discussions. I think it will be having set targets and a timeline around this, because I think it's very easy for everyone to congregate in the nice hotels and at the UN, and there'll be a lot of media for the next two weeks, but it's actually what happens after that. So I would say it's not so much what happens at the event per se, but it's more the follow-on action points and targets that are stated at that, that member states um, are then accountable to. So that is will be, and I don't think we'll be able to say whether it's a successful conference or not until another 12 months, 18 months down the line to see mm. what action has followed. And I think if you look at COP, there was so much media attention around it um, and it's questionable how much action has come from it. Um, and yeah, it's good in raising awareness, but, you know, we need to have models like EcoBricks that are actionable and tangible 
rather than just having a lot of discussion because unfortunately discussion doesn't reduce emissions Mm -hmm. and reduce climate change and global warming you actually need tangible action and people on the ground implementing all of these nice words that we use such as circular economy (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah i think just i don't know what they're saying uh basically uh the impact, the tangible impact will be uh, quite evident if actually it comes after this conference. And if that's seen, that is when we shall see that uh, we've had a successful conference. But for purposes, also for our engagement, one of the things that we want to actually see is a clear focus on ways we can stop uh, this problem of plastic uh, problem, uh, basically, uh, plastic pollution that is, of course, uh, causing uh, climate change. Before actually it starts, uh, not just how to improve uh, the cleaning bit of, you know, you clean uh, the mess, but basically what is the carbing point? Uh, how are we actually handling this? Though a circular, um, though this could all be done through a circular economic approach, and of course we can address the entire life cycle of plastics by focusing upstream to design out uh, waste before it is actually created. Uh, could the other thing that we're actually uh, looking at as uh, basically at, at the time of this conference is uh, we need to set global standards. Uh, of course, we also need an agreement that sets harmonized standards and give clear definitions of success, uh, common regulations, which are applicable to all states, which create a level playing field for globally operating industries and help to strengthen and support current efforts. One other ask would be support all countries to play their parts, governments and industries around the world, which also need to align the common direction of travel and coordinated efforts. Therefore, uh, uh, by the virtue that we're having this uh, assembly uh, in time, the treaty uh, needs to enable all participating countries by giving them the tools, knowledge and robust frameworks to create a circular economy uh, for plastics. That's great. Thank you so much, Sinan. Um, that's really great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to introduce you guys to our campaigners in Malawi, Renewal World Malawi, um, which is run by Malawi Creation Care Network. They, they did some um, successful campaigning on the banning of thin plastics. So um, we need to make sure you guys are able to have a chat at some point as well. And you can exchange campaign um, ideas and um, what worked well in, in different places. But um yeah, well, look, that's, thank you so much for joining us um, today, guys. It was it was really really fascinating chat. I know I've I've learned a lot. I've learned um, a lot more about the the UN Environment Assembly and a lot more about um, EcoBricks as well. So just really really thank you for for joining us this morning. I'm not I'm not sure I mentioned this at the start, but EcoBricks are the the um, Renewal World campaign partner in Uganda. Um, so you can check them out as well on the Renewal World website. But do um, if you want to know more about EcoBricks. Um, please do check them out as well. Is there where, where's the best place for people to find you guys online if, they, if people want to know more about EcoBricks and what you're doing? So our oh, our website is www.ecobricks.org, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well, which is Twitter. at EcoBricks yes. and Twitter and Twitter at Bricks Echo. Okay, fantastic. So please do yeah, please do check out. Um, some of the, the 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 website and the and the social media channels for EcoBricks and um, learn more about what they're doing. 
I know I managed to. I think I think I managed to buy some some face masks from you guys back in probably about two years ago, um, from um, sort of one of the, one of those when COVID was just sort of hitting. But yeah, hopefully people can find more ways of getting involved as well over over the next little while. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining, guys. And um, until next time, um, please do join us again on our next episode. Um, we'll be chatting over the next couple of months a little bit about reducing our carbon footprints as well as we head into sort of Easter season and uh, sort of Lent season. And we're also going to be uh, talking soon to a guest about vaccine equality. So we're looking forward to some of those um, chats that are coming up over the next coming weeks. So please do subscribe to the uh, to the podcast and stay up to date with some of the content that's that's on your way. Um, but for now, till till next time, um, that's that's the end. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.